Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. We've got another awesome show lined up for you guys today. Episode 155 of this show. Today we're going to talk to Vicente Luque, who fights this weekend at UFC on ESPN. That's right, we're going to UFC on ESPN, the very first show on the big network. And not only will we be talking to Vicente Luque, but at the end of the show, we'll also be breaking down that very card. We'll be talking Cain Velasquez, Francis Naganu, and we'll be talking two other pretty awesome matchups in which I like underdogs. So stay tuned and check out which underdogs I like on that. Plus, we'll be doing our famed combat countdown. This week, we are counting down the top Top five fighters turned announcers. We posed the question to our Twitter audience. You guys responded, and we sorted it all out into a nice, easy-to-digest top five. But before we get to any of that information, I first need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com, use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and you're going to get 20% off jujitsu gear that is not only of the highest quality, but also very sharp and very low price. You wouldn't even need the promo code to get this shit at super low prices because this stuff is already really, really low and you're never going to find jujitsu gear that is both high quality and low price. So check it out, ADK Fightwear. You can go there, you can get a rash guard. They've got their star- arm bars and stripes rash guard, which looks like an American flag, only it's got their jujitsu belts instead of stripes. Really sharp looking. You can get that for just 20 bucks when you use our promo code. It only would have been 25 otherwise, but you can get it for just 20 bucks using our promo code. Where else are you going to get a rash guard for 20 bucks? And it's not just rash guards. You can get spats, geese. You can also get sweatshirts, t-shirts. Check out their whole line, adkfightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Flow Combat, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Vicente Luque, who fights Brian Barberin at UFC on ESPN1 on February 17th. Vicente... You've won seven out of eight, all by finish, and yet here you are, unranked in the welterweight division, fighting another unranked fighter in Brian Barberena. Is there any frustration on your side that you haven't gotten a ranked opponent yet? Hey, man. Hey, how are you doing? So, I mean, not really frustration, you know. I definitely think that I should be ranked. I definitely think that I should be fighting the ranked guys, but I don't get frustrated with it. I feel it. Like, it's a challenge for me. I'm going to keep going there and doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep finishing the guys. And, I mean, the UFC eventually is going to have to give me opportunity at those ranked guys. I am pretty sure that they, they don't want to fight me, especially because I don't have a number by my side. I think they're kind of like, they think I'm a risk for them because I'm not ranked. So if they lose to me, they'll be unranked. So I think that's also something that, that I don't know. I don't know if the guys are are refusing to fight me or something like that but eventually i mean there is no way these guys are going to continue running you know they're gonna someone is gonna have to fight me on the on the ranking so i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and yeah and i've heard that frustration before specifically from welterweight saying that you know they they think you know the ranking system sort of keeps people from fighting them how, how long have you felt like you probably have been declined matchups due to the fact that there isn't a number by your name you know, I think after I fought in Sao Paulo, I fought against Nico Price. 
I think after that, I, I, I was ready to fight a, a ranked guy. Or even before that, when I was coming, before I lost to Leon Edwards, I think I was coming in a good sequence. I could get a, a ranked guy. But then I had that loss, so that set me back a little bit. And after that, I mean, you, you see Leon Edwards, now he's ranked up there. So I think it wasn't a loss that, that put me down. I think I lost to a guy that is a really good guy. And I know that I have everything I need to beat him and to beat any ranked guy. So, you know, I think it's, it's just... I don't know. I don't know if the right fights. Maybe keep fighting the guys that, I don't know, fight some guys that have big name. I think a fight with Barbarina is going to be the fight to give me after this win. I believe that I'm going to get a ranked guy because he's a guy that just beat Jake Ellenberger, a guy that was ranked up there. So I think this is a great fight for me. Yeah, I agree. I do think this is a big fight too. I, I want to go back to, because you, you mentioned that you've, you've been calling for some big fights. And, and after your last fight, you, you called for Jorge Masvidal, who I thought was a, a pretty reasonable call-out, being that he's just outside the top 10 in the rankings. Was there any particular reason that you called him out, and was that fight ever close to being made? No, that, that fight wasn't close to being made. I mean, uh, he didn't want to fight anybody that wasn't ranked, and he, he also posted that on his Twitter because I kind of said that I wanted that fight, and then he posted that he did, he wouldn't fight anybody that wasn't unranked so it didn't ha it wasn't close to happening and the reason i wanted that fight especially is one he's ranked and ranked up there so that's a fight i want and our styles you know i'm sure that a fight between me and him would be a great fight for everybody to watch and it's a fight you know i would have fun on that fight i love having the best fights that where everybody's going to be crazy about that fight and we're just going to go in there and try to knock each other out. And I'm sure that that fight would be one of those fights. Yeah, and I, I think the fight you got coming up is similar to that fight too. Brian Barberena is a guy who who tends to have pretty exciting fights and he, he's a tough out, you know, top to bottom. Is, there, uh, is that how you see this fight going, kind of being a slugfest? Or, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to give away too many of your details, but do you see this going a different way than that? No, I definitely see it as a stand-up war. I mean, Barbarina, he's a tough guy. He's got some good striking. He's hes a southpaw, so that's also something he has going to him. It's always different to fight a southpaw. And, you know, watching his fights, he usually grows through the fight. So he'll start up slow, and his strongest round sometimes is the third round. So I definitely think it's going to be a great fight for the fans to watch. I'm going to go in there to try to knock him out. I believe he's coming. With the same mindset, I think he's going to come to try to knock me out. So it's going to be a great fight for sure. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to it. Now, I wanted to ask you a question about uh, one of your past fights. So I, I know that your dad is part Chilean, and you got a, recently got a chance to fight in Chile. I was wondering what that was like for you and your family, being that it is part of your heritage. Man, that was that was really, really special. Everybody in Chile, they are like special people. They got They received me so well over there. And, you know, they were they took me as a Chilean, like a Chilean as well. So everybody, when I went to interviews and everything, everybody, like, really treated me as, as if I was born there and they, I have lived all my life over there. And also the fact that I speak Spanish, I can, I speak it with everyone. So they were really, they really identified with me. And the night of the fight, it was special. Everybody was screaming my, my last name. And it was a great fight. And with the outcome, it couldn't be better. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that that certainly was a, a fun fight. Now, I, I want to talk to you, too, about, uh, you know, you, you seem to get the same finish multiple times here. Just looking over your record, in, in a short period of time, you have four Darius choke finishes by my count and an anaconda choke, which is, you know, pretty much uh, a very similar setup to the Darius choke. Is there a reason why you feel like the Darius choke is such a go-to move for you? I mean, that's something I've trained for a long time, and I started training it because I have, you know, it's really easy for me to get it. So whenever I'm, I see it a lot. I see it in many different positions. So I could be from the bottom or from the top, and I'll see Darces and Anacondas. And the, once I lock it, it's really hard that the guy's going to come out of there, you know. Once it's locked, I know it's going to finish. So I don't have... Like, I don't think two times when I see it, I go for it, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to finish it. That's why it happens so much, because once I see it, I'm definitely going to go for it, and I'm going to finish the guy. Absolutely, and, and finishing seems to be your forte. Now, I wanted to talk to you, too, while we're talking about pass fights, about a pass victory you have. So, again, just scanning over your record, looking back, we see a TKO victory over Tiago Santos, and it is one in the same Tiago Santos, who is now a top 10 ranked light heavyweight, 205 pounds. Now, obviously, this was some time ago, and it was at middleweight. Is it crazy to see him being so successful at such a large weight, knowing you have a victory over him? I mean, it, it, it's not crazy. I always believed in his potential. When I fought him, he wasn't defeated. I was the first guy to beat him here in Brazil. And I was a big underdog, so nobody expected that I would get that win. So I definitely knew that he was gonna gonna be up there. And I never thought he was gonna be this big like he is now. I mean, he he became really big and really heavy, but he he was always big when he fought me. He was about as tall as he is now, but much leaner. Obviously, he wasn't as as strong, but he was really impressive at welterweight. I mean, everybody ran from that fight. Everybody like nobody wanted to fight him here in Brazil. So I knew that he was going to be a guy that that was going to be really close to being a champion. And I still believe that he might have the opportunity to become a champion eventually. So I, I definitely think that he's a, a great fighter and it's great for me to have a win over him. Yeah, absolutely. And and can you explain too a little bit about how that fight went? Because obviously it being a while ago, being a, on a, in a smaller promotion, it's hard for people to see that fight. But how did you get the finish against such a, a you know, a guy who is quite a bit bigger than you? Yeah, so the fight, it was a really quick fight. It was about 20 seconds or 30 seconds. So he came in really strong. He was the bigger guy, so he wanted to come pressure me. And I kept calm. He hit me with a couple of kicks, and he jumped with a Superman punch. And I was able to counter it with a left hook, and I knocked him out with that. So it was basically that. It was a really quick fight. And so I was glad for that because I didn't want to be too many rounds in there with him because he's a really strong guy. Wow, that is that is almost twice as impressive knowing that it was a one-touch knockout uh, on a, fl- a counter to a flying shot. Um, but let, let's end here talking a little bit about this upcoming year for you. Because 2019, with a win over Barbarana, could be a really big year for you, getting into the top 15, getting some of those big shots that you were looking at. Uh, how often are you looking to fight in 2019? And sort of what are your goals for the year? Well, my goals are I, I want to get at least three fights in this year. Last year, I got two fights in. And, you know, I like to fight. I'm always keeping myself ready. I know that at the same time, at the point I am right now, I got to get good fights in the right fights. Meaning, in like, I want big names, you know, names that are going to move me up. 
So I think three fights would be something realistic. If I can, four fights would be perfect. Well, we're certainly looking forward to each and every single one of them, starting with Brian Barberena. Once again, this has been Vincente Luque, who fights Brian Barberena at UFC on ESPN1 on February 17th. Vicente, we really thank you for the time. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, guys, man. And that interview with Vicente Luque is brought to you by Maroon. Maroon is the one and only app that allows you to track everything that you do in jiu-jitsu all in the palm of your hand. That's right. So I, I know a lot of you guys are probably the types out there who keep diligent notes when you go to a seminar or maybe you, you try to track your BJJ record. You, you don't have to do that in a crummy notebook anymore, one of those composition books you got in high school. Now you can do it all at the palm of your hand on your smartphone and it right stored in this perfect little app. So let me tell you a little bit about Maroon. First of all, it's called Maroon M-A-R-U-N-E. Check them out on Google Play or the Apple Store. It doesn't matter which one. On here, first of all, you're going to set up your profile. You're going to get your name in there. You're going to get your belt level. You're going to get your home gym. You can put other gyms too and your instructors and things like that. Maybe a short little bio so that your friends can follow along with you. Then you can put all kinds of customizable options in there. You can put all of your geese in there. So you can write down which geese you have. That way when you compete, you can tell, oh, I'm 5-0 and in this gee. Better stick with the lucky one. Plus, after that, you can log all of your training sessions. So I've been doing this for some time now, and I can tell a lot of the different things I'm training. And if for some reason, I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing kind of not enough stand-up work. I can look back through it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been a month since the last stand-up work I did. So it allows me to track each and everything I've done. It allows you to take notes on all the things you've done, and you can connect with friends. So you can see if your friend moved out of town's training at a different gym now, you can see what they're up to and talk to them about it, comment on their, their workouts and stuff like that. You got to check it out. Maroon, M-A-R-U-N-E. Get them wherever apps are available. And it's free. So I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, that was Vicente Luque. Dude, can we talk about how he knocked out Tiago Santos? Yeah, I absolutely love this little-known fact that Vicente Luque knocked out Tiago Santos uh, several years ago in Brazil. I mean, Tiago Santos is a ba-ba-ba-beast. He's coming off a KO of Jimmy Manoa, and Vicente Luque, you know, two, three weight classes below him, knocked him out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's especially amazing when you consider that they're trajectories of their careers afterwards because Luque winds up a 170 pounder Santos winds up a 205 pounder and you know Luque's knocking at the door of the top 15 but freaking Santos is a top 10 205er that's crazy you know this is one of those things where I feel like UFC fight pass I you know the producers at UFC do a tremendous job their production is top notch but sometimes I feel like they miss the boat a little bit on potential shows for the MMA nerd within us all on UFC Fight Pass or now even ESPN Plus, the new home of UFC. I would love to see a show put together on fights that took place before they were stars outside the UFC and then maybe even guys who had rematches down the line in the UFC. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen with Vicente Luque and Tiago Santos, but uh, that's like a fascinating thing when these guys meet up before coming to the UFC. I was actually on Joe Lozon's Wikipedia page, just kind of trolling it today, and I forgot the fact that he fought Ralph, uh, Ralph Asuncao 
Yeah. Many, many years ago. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when you go back, especially like there are a bunch of those like featherweight killers, um, who fought lightweight and then like got let go and then re-signed, uh, when they added the, the featherweight division. So I think you would find a lot right around that weight class too. Yeah. Um, so that's always cool. Uh, Speaking of always cool, uh, it's time for our Around the MMA World Fastest Fight News segment. Gumby, are you ready? Always ready. All right, well, let's start with this. Robert Whitaker had a hernia about, I don't know, 10 minutes before UFC 234. Fight with Kelvin Gastelum got scrapped. Uh, very fun main event, even though it was only three rounds. I really could have done with another round or two or two rounds, that being, I wish it was a five-round fight between Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva. Israel Adesanya got the decision nod. What happens with the UFC title picture now? What's the scuttlebutt? What are we hearing on the internet? Is it going to be Gastelum? Is it going to be Adesanya? Is it going to be a three-way at WrestleMania, table, platters, and chairs with Robert Whittaker? What happens here? Uh, you know, I, I think when we look at this, I think we have to assume... And this sucks to say on behalf of Calvin Gastelum here, but like, how could you not, if Robert Whitaker is healthy, how could you not make Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker? Because to me, that is just the match that makes the UFC the most money in the least amount of time, which is the decisions they're making all the time. You got New Zealand versus Australia. You know, you can give them four months to heal up or five months to heal up, and you can schedule it for whatever Australia card we've got towards the end of the year. Fuck, you could put it in New Zealand and it would sell like hotcakes. So, like, I think that that's the match you have to make. Now, the option is... Two, if Whitaker is going to be out for an extended period of time, you could always match up Gastelum versus Idesanya for the interim title. But I really don't think that that like gets anybody going, right? Like that, that's not a main event of a pay per view, is it? No, and I'm going to say some controversial things here. So if you're a listener that doesn't like controversy, I'll just give you a couple of seconds. Turn off your iPhone, shut down your web browser, <laughs> however it is you're listening to us. I want you to go away because you're about to be triggered. Here's what I'm going to say. Kelvin Gastelum, wonderful human being. I wish him the best. He was never actually the middleweight title challenger. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. He was not the middleweight title challenger. He wasn't a middleweight title challenger, Gumby. He was coming off a split decision win over Jacare Souza. The fight before that, he knocked out a decrepit 80% of his body out the door, Michael Bisping, two weeks after George St. Pierre had choked him unconscious at MSG. The idea that Gastelum was a worthy title challenger. Oh, do you want me to peel it back three fights? Yeah. He lost yeah, I know five in yeah. submission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, the idea that he was some worthy title challenger. Let me tell you something else. And again, if you're triggered easily, turn the fucking thing off. Robert Whitaker, who I respect the fuck out of, friend of the show, the only champion in UFC history to never beat another champion. You brought up that fact. We shared it on our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. The whole middleweight title division, the whole middleweight championship legacy, in my opinion, died on the day, June 4th, 2016, when Michael Bisping stepped in on short notice and surprised KO'd Luke Rockhold because he was more concentrating on his modeling career than keeping his hand up in front of his chin. And then, for Michael Bisping's first title defense, instead of giving him a worthy challenger, he gave God... Yeah, and I 
love Dan Henderson. Mm. I love Dan Henderson. I go on our Twitter at least once a month and beg him to unretire. Okay, <laughs> but he was not a worthy title challenger for Bisping's first title defense. Then guess what his second title defense was? Are you ready? I'm not going to have you guess anymore. It was GST, the goat fucking welterweight, coming out of retirement to get a win he knew he was going to get over Michael Bisping. And then he vacated the title 17 days later, and they awarded it to Robert Whitaker. Again, all props to Robert Whitaker. I love Robert Whitaker. This title picture at 185 has been a fucking mess for three years. So who gives a fuck if Kelvin Gastelum doesn't get a shot? Yeah. What do you think? And and, and on top of that, too, you know, I think you make a good point that, like, obviously, like, there's other things that have not made sense in this division before. But but I think the most important point is here, like, if Kelvin Gastelum was on a Tony Ferguson-esque run and we were talking about him getting screwed out of his his title shot due to not getting his, like, Tony Ferguson title shot, you know, like, seven straight wins, beat fucking tons of contenders, beat former champions, and, like, then I would I would say, okay, yeah, you're right. It's wrong for them to surpass him to put it in the hands of a guy who's just marketed better. But, like, if you look at his record recently versus Idesanya's record recently, neither one of them is head and shoulders over the other one, and one of them's going to sell... I don't know, 300,000 more pay-per-views than the other one. So, like, it's a real simple business choice, and it's not that ridiculous of an actual matchmaking choice either. So that's a frustrating situation. I'd like to go, sometimes we have very happy stories in MMA, <laughs> and this is one that I feel takes, it, it takes the weight of the world off of, fan, of MMA fans' shoulders. Anderson Silva wants Nick Diaz for his next fight in Brazil. And in the most, I don't know, honest moment in Nick Diaz's life, he came out with a statement. He said, I don't want to hurt nobody. I just want to party. Which I feel like I've just been waiting for Nick Diaz to say for five years. We put on our Twitter feed last week, at Top Turtle MMA, Nick Diaz has not fought in, at this point now, last week it was like 1,490 days. So add a couple more days to that. 42-year-old Fedor Emelianenko has fought six times. Kimbo Slice, rest in peace, who I hope is in a better place, and I think he is, has fought two times in that in that span of time, okay? Ken Shamrock has fought one time. Tito Ortiz has fought one time. Nick Diaz is fucking retired, and I'm so sick of hearing his name. And now, finally, he just comes out and says it. He doesn't want to fight anymore. Give it up, people. It's over. Yeah, and, and I think that that's right, too. And he, while Anderson wants that fight, and, it, it, you know, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint, he wants one more guy he can throw down to that he sees as an honorable opponent. And really, like, the people who, who fit that bill for him are like Nick Diaz, and they're all kind of gone. You know, like, you, you could see him having this, like, one goodbye match with a whole bunch of people in that division who just sort of don't fight anymore um which is kind of a bummer you know like i'd love to see him throw down one more time with shale sunnin or something like that uh but yeah nick diaz not a surprise i i when i heard it i wasn't shocked no not at all what do you do with anderson for his next fight if you had your choice uh whew. anderson silva at 85 you want him to have something fun to end it but you also want somebody he could beat uriah hall could, okay. Could be I love sort of, it. Could be sort of fun. Be definitely beatable. Maybe 
you know, maybe not as marquee as I would like. I mean, you could always send him up to 205 and fight Shogun or something like that. Mm. You know, like, it's him and Shogun friends, though. You know, like, so, somebody I, like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally do. I, that, I mean, I'll tell you right now, that matchup just puts me right to sleep. <laughs> but I think you're you're on the right path. I mean... I, would you want to do a Paul Acosta or even see him against like a... Oh shit, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> not unless, why? Not think, unless I hate why? Anderson Silva. I, I want him to have one fun match where he can sort of like go off into the distance. And I think Paul Acosta at this point in time is just like a big muscly dude who's just going to throw haymakers at him. And I think, I, I think probably I would pick Paulo Acosta in that fight. So, you know, like I... I don't want to see Anderson Silva in there with, like, a slugfest where he's surviving and shit like that. I want to see him have, like, one more fun Anderson Silva pose for the camera fight. You want him against a stylistic striker as well. Exactly. Yep. You want him against another Israel Adesanya. Yeah, an easier Israel Adesanya. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, there aren't a lot of those at middleweight, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Let's move to the last uh, news item, and I think it's a big one, or one that's important to discuss. Uh, OSP was supposed to fight friendo the show, Misha Serkinov. Episode two, I believe, he came on, so he's one of our original gang. Uh, but that fight is off at UFC 235. OSP is injured, he has stepped out of the fight, and surprisingly, stepping up on short notice, it's not the whiskey, it's the fighter, Johnny Walker. What do you make of this? I love it. I, th- I think it's such a smart move on Johnny Walker's standpoint for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's striking while the iron is hot, right? Like, is anybody – could, could the stocks be any higher right now than they are on Johnny Walker after a 15-second spinning back fist knockout? I don't think so. And on top of that, too, Serkinov actually makes a whole heck of a lot of sense as an opponent for him. He's ranked, which is great for, for Walker. And on top of that – he is a guy who has shown that his jaw is not airtight, right? Like, he took that very short punch by Volkan Ozdemir, very short, very glancing, and he went night-night. That is a gift-wrapped matchup for freaking Johnny Walker here. So I, I love it on Johnny Walker's standpoint. Don't really love it on Serkinov's standpoint, but it should be fun. Yeah, and uh, Walker, of course, coming off the spinning back fist, as you said, over Justin Ledet back on February 2nd, so he'll have exactly a month between fights. All right, that wraps up our fastest fight news. We'll move then to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the Combat Countdown, and it's brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear is a family-owned, local to the New York area, fight clothing company, we love ADK Fightwear. They just came out with a sick rash guard shorts combo inspired by the New World Order. If you're a wrestling mark like me, it's the Too Sweet line. Go to ADKFightwear.com, enter in promo code TURTLE, get yourself a nice little discount, and check out the Too Sweet short sleeve rash guard and shorts. Both myself and Gumby wear them when we train our jiu-jitsu, and that was posted on our Twitter feed, at Top Turtle MMA. Speaking of our Twitter feed, at Top Turtle MMA, we threw it out to the fans. Who are the best five fighters turned announcers in the game of MMA right now? So, of course, we're talking about color analysts, the guys who actually bring a little color to the fights can actually technically break down what we're saying. Seeing, not the play-by-play guys, we're talking color So our combat countdown this week 
is the top five fighters turned announcers. Gumby, are you ready for the combat countdown? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we start as always at number five. Uh, you know what? Let me back up just a second. We had so so much great feedback. A lot of people were very passionate as we get towards the top uh, for our numbers four, three, two, one. Uh, five was a little tougher to decide, so I do just want to throw out that we had honorable mentions here. Uh, we had honorable mentions of Frank Mir. We had honorable mentions of the retired Brian Stan. We even had someone throw out Randy Couture from his uh, brief stint uh, at UFC in 2006-ish. Uh, I always found him a little, I don't know, statuesque, so to speak, on the mic. I didn't think he brought a lot of personality, although I, of course, respected his opinion. Anyway, a guy whose opinion I really respect, and he seems to have a nice flair for it, it's our number five kicking off the list. It's Pat Militich. Yeah, I love Pat Militich on the mic, and I think not a lot of people have heard what Pat Militich brings to fights. Because, like, it, he, so just for those of you who haven't heard him, he's on AXS TV, which actually has had a string of really amazing programming over the, uh, the period that it's been on there. RFA was on there, Legacy was on there, CES MMA was on there. Basically, a lot of companies that wound up getting snatched up by Fight Pass were all on there. So he announced some like really high-level fighting that was outside of the UFC for a period of time. And he brings a very impressive technical amount of knowledge, which you would expect from a guy who you know ran his own camp for as many years as he did, ran his own IFL team for a little while. So he, he brings a, a surprising amount of technical know-how while also getting pretty excited, which is sort of my criteria when I'm thinking about this. If I'm getting excited about the fights because the announcer is, he's doing his job. But I also want that technical know-how. And Militich has got a little bit of both. Of course, he he definitely could be a little bit more animated. Sometimes he uses some of the same sayings over and over again. But that being said, he is a pretty damn good announcer. I have nothing to add, and you threw out an IFL reference, so I really (laughs) have nothing to add. You summed that up perfectly. We'll move to number four. And now we're going to go to someone, you know, we're going to the UFC now. We're going to the big stage. Uh, and we're going to someone who is quite new at this, but we thought was worth the honorable, not an honorable mention, but worth being placed in the top five, especially based on fan interaction and the feedback we got. This guy is like the LeBron James of color <laughs> analyst for MMA. Everyone is very high on him, and we've barely seen him. But in what little we've seen, we like what we've seen. Number four, Michael Bisping. Yeah, Michael Bisping uh, debuted at UFC on ESPN Plus 2. God, that's a fucking mouthful. Anyway, the one in Fortaleza. So he uh, he debuted there, and some people were irked by the fact that he is so excited about the fights, which probably knocked him down our list a little bit. Um, you know, he gets sort of so caught up in the fight, sometimes he does forget to like explain some of the techniques to newer audience members and things like that. But that being said... His enthusiasm is almost unmatched as far as fighters go, and I really liked what he added to it. You know, like he has a lot of insight, which you would imagine from a guy who's fought as much as he does. He talks a little bit about his own fighting career, which can be a little annoying, but the things that he talks about are at least relevant to the fights. So I've really enjoyed his his one stint announcing career, and maybe if he had two or three or four of them, we might be talking about him higher on this list. And we also could be talking about him lower on the list. If he doesn't correct that exact issue, which is talking too much about himself, then yeah, we'll call shit on it. But that being said, I think the potential is there, Mm -hmm. and I think he has a tremendous future 
announcing. We'll move then to number three. And I, I do want to say, as always with our combat countdown, there typically becomes a really big jump from uh, numbers five and four, then to the top three. Or sometimes it's even from three to the top two. And I think that's the case here. So now we step up into some really premier uh, names. And we'll go to number three, maybe one of the more controversial picks, and we'll get into why. Number three is Dom Cruz. Yeah, Dom Cruz wound up being a kind of controversial pick because, as you can see on our Twitter, when you you look through all of the comments, there are a lot of people who really like Dominic Cruz, and there are a lot of people who really hate Dominic Cruz, and I can tell you exactly why. Dominic Cruz brings better technical knowledge than almost any announcer out there, and I include the people who we're going to talk about at number two and the person we're going to talk about at number one. I think his technical knowledge is absolutely the top as far as announcers go. That being said, yep. there's just fucking something about his voice that is so <laughs> dull. It is the dullest thing I've... He is the most Ritz Cracker boring person that I've ever listened to in my whole life. And I don't know how he can change that because I think that, you know, like, how do you tell an announcer that it's just your voice? That irks me. Um, so the fact that he's, like, really boring and, like, not never excited about anything. Also, I'd like him to ask for underhooks at least one or two less times per round. Um, <laughs> overall, those types of things knock him down. But that being said, the technical know-how definitely bumps him way up on this list. Yeah, so this is such an interesting subject to me um, because, you know, in typical sports, someone plays baseball, they could go into baseball announcing and they're going to get by. There might be a differentiator between I was a pitcher or I was a hitter. Um, and that's why you see if you're local to the New York area, like the Mets broadcast, they have Keith Hernandez. He talks about the hitters, Ron Darling. He talks about the pitchers. And those are the two color analysts of the play-by-play guy. In MMA, your color analyst needs to be a student of the game in all aspects of mixed martial arts. Dom, it, like you said, there's nobody better technically. Uh, he can break down wrestling takedowns. He can break down striking. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy reinvented striking in the UFC. Uh, there's something to be said for what Dom brought to the UFC. I, if I was still in college, I would write a term paper on Dom changing the way UFC fighters strike. And then jiu-jitsu, he knows jiu-jitsu. So all three aspects of the game, he knows. The guys, number one and two while being more colorful, don't have that level of knowledge in all three of the subjects I want them to have that level of knowledge on. So you called him a Ritz cracker. How do you get him better? You're right. You're not going to tell Dom Cruz to change his voice or be more personality or more colorful. It would be fake. It would come off. But you always have that Ritz cracker with a little peanut butter or a little (laughs) cheese. And that peanut butter is Joe Rogan or it's Daniel Cormier. So the idea of John Anik and uh, Dom Cruz calling a fight, I would kill myself. But I, I don't want a big fight or a technical fight without Dom Cruz, but I need someone else there to kind of bring the excitement level up, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right, so we'll move then to number two. This is kind of an easier one to place, uh, and he certainly deserves it. It's Dan Hardy. Yeah, I, I love Dan Hardy, and I think uh, Dan Hardy, once again, would be higher if he was given more of those big fights, you know, you mentioned Dom Cruz, you want him in on a big fight and you're going to want the guy who's number one in on big fights too. Dan Hardy just kind of gets relegated to Europe, right? Like we put Dan Hardy on the, the cards that, uh, 
that Joe Rogan and, and Dominic Cruz don't want to fly to. Um, and, and, you know, for one thing, that that's cool, I guess. But at the same time, I sort of wish we got to hear him in all situations because he is really knowledgeable. Once again, the, the knowledge is somewhat a little bit more limited to the striking aspect of the game. He's not as good at describing grappling as he is striking, but he's got that like excitement level that you're looking for from Bisping. Um, and you're looking for a little bit from Militich and you definitely don't get with Dominic Cruz. So he's not only got the technical know-how, but he's also got the real smarts in order to, uh, or the excitement in order to make it sort of a well-rounded commentary. Uh, I can't really add anything, and I certainly, there. you're right. He doesn't bring the grappling knowledge, but there's no one I'd rather listen to talk about defending a Kimura because <laughs> 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 he almost fucking ripped his arm off and he couldn't do it. Uh, but that all being said, you jogged my memory on something. I do want to step back to our number three, Dom Cruz. You brought up Joe Rogan, and it's something I forgot to mention. One other thing I love about Dom Cruz he kind of keeps Joe Rogan in check. <laughs> Rogan, who we all love, no one's going to say anything bad about Joe Rogan. You'll lose your MMA fandom. But there are certain uh, people in the hardcore dark web corners of the internet, uh, hardcore MMA fans, who will tell you Joe Rogan sometimes is watching a fight and is seeing something completely different play out. Mm. He's caught up in the emotion of it. He starts only he's, focusing he's on one too. fighter. Yeah, he's definitely got he's some favorites. He's got, yeah. He's got some favorites, and finally, and that's something Uncle Mike, Uncle Mike Goldberg, who I love, (laughs) uh, was never going to check him on, but Dom Cruz will fucking check him, and I think Dom Cruz actually kind of brings Rogan down to a more kind of normal level, so I did just want to mention that about Dom Cruz. All right, it's time to get to number one. He's very deserving. I don't think it's controversial to put him there, but if you find it controversial, hit us up on our Twitter, at MMA. Number one. Uh, this guy just took it like he took to MMA, really. He was a natural at it, just like he was a natural at MMA. We're, of course, talking about Daniel Cormier. Yeah, and, and, and again, if we go back to our Twitter and we look at the people's responses to this uh, this poll question, it was undoubtedly head and shoulders above everybody else. Everybody loves Dan Cormier. And, it, you know, like he's great with whoever you put him with. You know, you can put him with John Anik, and he p- pulls personality out of John Anik. Like, you can put him with Joe Rogan, and he's joking around with Joe Rogan and doing that weird high-pitched laugh he does. Um, so he's, like, excited about the fights. He's knowledgeable about stuff. And on top of that, like, he's got a personality that, like, makes you laugh a little bit, too. So I think he's, like, the whole package as far as an announcer goes. And you know what, too? It's, like, perfect because, like, we're all upset that we might only get, like, two or three more Daniel Cormier fights before he retires. Good news is, is Daniel Cormier is not going anywhere for a long-ass time because he's going to be sitting right in that booth for every single pay-per-view that you care about. If you believe rumors or not, uh, the rumor is is that uh, when the UFC uh, moved its TV rights deal to ESPN, uh, one person that ESPN basically insisted on and was very high on was Daniel Cormier. Fox also loved him and even, as the rumors go, wanted to keep him on and have him do other sports. They liked him so much. Now, I don't know if that was just his agent floating a rumor, but I really do believe it. It's very rare that someone could be so good so quickly, and I think it's just because he's natural at it. He's not, you know, faking. He's not putting on a personality. There's no gimmick there, as we say in pro wrestling. You're just getting authentic DC 
and that comes through. The fans know it, and the fans love him because of it. So let's review. Pat Militich was five. The new announcer on the block, Michael Bisping, was number four. Boring but knowledgeable, number three, Dom Cruz. Number two, it's Dan Hardy, our international announcer. And number one was Daniel Cormier. If you agree with our list, if you hate our list, hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Uh, you know what? Let's move on to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the UFC Breakdown. Uh, and it's on ESPN this week. So, Gumby, why don't you tell our adoring fans, is this UFC breakdown brought to them by any fine company? Of course, this UFC on ESPN breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com to check out the new underwear that is changing the way that underwear works. That's right. It's changing the way underwear works. Previously, if you're the type of person who likes to work out, you like to do some physical activity, whether it's running, jujitsu, MMA, whether you play soccer on the weekends, no matter what you do, okay? Previously, you had to wear boxers like some sort of sociopath and have your guys flopping all over the place, or... You had to wear briefs and have your guys completely crushed underneath you as you got sweaty and uncomfortable. Instead, now you can go to sheathunderwear.com and check out their innovative front pocket in their underwear that allows your cash and prizes to stay very, very cool, also while being supported. So they don't have to flop all over the place and they don't have to be super sweaty. And they especially don't have to be super sweaty because sheath underwear is moisture wicking and antimicrobial. So you not only stay cool, but you also stay fresh should you get hot. Because you know, you're going to get hot. You're going to sweat and stuff like that. So make sure you check them out. Sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code FLOW, F-L-O, and you're going to get 20% off your whole order. So check them out. You'll be happy you did. So I'm going to break down three fights for you guys here from this weekend. The first one I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Cain Velasquez over Francis Naganu. Cain Velasquez betting off at a negative 185 favorite. I still think there's even value there. Don't get me wrong, Francis Naganu just beat a wrestler and you know people are getting a little bit higher on him for that. He tagged Curtis Blades pretty early and maybe stopped one takedown. So I'm still not buying that he's able to stop or he's able to beat Cain Velasquez or stop Cain Velasquez's takedowns no matter how long Cain's been out. So we're going to go with Cain Velasquez. In the uh, the second fight we're going to look at, I'm going to take the underdog James Vick at plus 105 to beat Paul Felder at negative 125. You know, we talked about Paul Felder a little bit ago in the show. I like Paul Felder, but the problem is, is that James Vick was running through people. James Vick ran through people violently until he ran into, you know, an absolutely crazy power puncher in Justin Gaethje. And I think people are a little low on him because of that. Look, the dude is huge bodied. He uses his reach pretty well. He's got some decent kicks. He's good enough to stay away from the big bombs that Paul Felder's going to throw. He's going to stay out of the clinch. And I think he wins a pretty easy decision here. Or perhaps could even pick up the finish. Uh, and then the third fight I'd like to talk about, I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling. Also an underdog over Jimmy Rivera. Aljamain Sterling betting off at plus 140, so you can get some really good value for him here. Look, I, I like Jimmy Rivera, and I think Jimmy Rivera's hands are much, much faster than than Aldo's or Aljo's. Um, not Aldo's, Aljo's. Uh, so, I, but I still like Aljo's wrestling here. I, I think he winds up in some top positions here. I think his sub game is nasty. Um, I, I think there's a lot of paths to victory for Aljamain Sterling, so I'm gonna pick him here over Jimmy Rivera. So to recap real quickly, uh, I like Cain Velasquez over Francis Naganu. James. James Vick over Paul Felder and Aljamain Sterling over Jimmy Rivera. 
And this has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA on Flow Combat. We thank you, the fans, for listening in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also wouldn't have a show without our great sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and Maroon. Check out Maroon on the App Store or on Google Play. Make sure that you download that bad boy. You can friend me, Gumby Vreeland. Uh, also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. Uh, they give us the home to do what we do. Plus, make sure you check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. That is the place where you're going to get all kinds of awesome content, including trivia contests, pick'em contests, which we had a couple of big winners this past week. So uh, check us out there. We're going to make sure that we keep those things rolling. And remember, once again, I was Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This was Shockwave Dave Tremonti, and we are going to catch you next week.